0: for the week of September 3rd, 2014, this is Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. With us today, we've got Mr. Kevin Winter-Morris. Good to see you, Benny. Chris Camarani. Yeah, hello. And Matthew Piper. Hello. Um, want to apologize about the delay on the podcast. We were supposed to record this on Monday, but it was Labor Day. And in a, uh, because of the scheduling conflict with uh, Kyle, uh, who is not going to be with us because he's out on assignment, uh, we decided to postpone it. To
1: today. So we rescheduled it for a guy Who then Still couldn't isn't make it For a guy right, who could right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that seems smart
2: Cal Goon, perpetually on assignment mm-hmm. True
0: So on when, anyway on Monday for me I was down at a uh, furniture store With the ex-girlfriend who's now the fiance Who uh, Me, uh, we went to a store to go buy a rug And so it was oh,
1: oh, you didn't break up with her No, no, no oh, She's not She the transitioned so from girlfriend a girlfriend. there yeah, you don't really want to say ex-girlfriend. That gives the wrong impression. I'm Why were really you buying a rug? I'm right. so
2: confused. I feel like this is a co- same girl. I feel like this is a Coen Brothers movie. Like 55 seconds. Don't, in.
0: please don't step on this thing. Okay.
1: So, your ex-girlfriend deals in rugs, so you took your fiance to meet her. Exactly. Okay.
0: Whoa. So we're down at a funeral. We're down at a almost at a funeral hall where it's a furniture store, and we're purchasing a rug. And the, the fellow that was helping us do the the, tra- the salesman. As we're looking at it, he gets it off the wall and we end up paying him for it. And as we're getting cashed out, I say to the guy, boy, you must get a lot of big Lebowski references here, you know, as Chris was saying right there. And uh, the guy looked at me and he was a clean shaven, good looking guy, you know, uh, wearing a suit and a tie and stuff like that. And he goes, no, not very often. And I go. Have you ever seen The Big Lebowski? And he looked at me straight face and said, Never have.
2: They pissed on my rug. <laughs> they pissed on your rug, dude. The,
0: the guy works in flooring and doesn't know The Big Lebowski reference. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he's a guy that probably doesn't watch R-rated movies and a guy that doesn't do drugs and a guy that doesn't smoke and drink. And sure. unfortunately probably someone else who we've pers- always kind of thought of being a guy who wouldn't drink and smoke and do drugs was arrested on Saturday. It was- <laughs> <laughs> what
1: a transition. Uh, Holy smokes.
0: This guy, man <laughs> was BYU's uh, quarterback, Matt Hall. uh, by all accounts, a very capable quarterback for the Cougars, uh, but also a guy who liked to run his mouth and kind of put into a really bad position down South in Arizona from getting arrested with possession of cocaine and shoplifting. Uh, Social media, which is something that you guys were talking before we got on mic, which is a big part of what you guys do. Unfortunately, unfortunately, but it did get bring up is that people fans of Utah have been pretty brutal on him. Defenders of the Cougars have been uh, like, let's wait to see where all the chips lie. Sympathetic, up. very sympathetic. Reporters and uh, columnists have said things, basically waiting, kind of give him the moment to kind of answer the charges and see how this thing plays out, but. I guess the question I have for you guys is like Chris, what, what did you hear when you first heard of Max Hall and the cocaine arrest? What did you think?
2: Well, I was, I was on Twitter, of course, writing a story and checking Twitter to update, and I see that uh, Josh Furlong, I believe from KSL, posted the mugshot. I think Josh covers Utah or, or something at KSL, and I was like, what? This can't be real, but it showed Max Hall in a BYU shirt. And it looked like a mugshot. I mean, you can tell it was a mugshot. So I waited a little bit to see if, if it wasn't just a joke or something. And, you know, five minutes later, the timeline just for the next five or six hours, it was just jokes and bad, sy- jokes. bad jokes, sympathetic tweets. Um,
3: Over-the-top sympathetic tweets. Just, just a <laughs>
2: lot of stuff. And I think that comes with the, the era of social media is everyone – has to have a hot take when when something comes down the pipe. I mean, and let's not even forget, like two hours later, the <laughs> NFL announced that Wes Welker got suspended for popping Molly. So Max Hall getting arrested for coke and Wes Welker popping Molly, which is basically MDMA, that's an eventful three hours on Twitter. Um, but my take on the whole Max Hall thing is I think if Max doesn't say classless fans – I hate them, blah, blah, blah. I don't think this story is as prominent as it is, but I think Max Hall is the most transcendent player in the history of collegiate sports in this state. I mean, without a doubt. between Mc, be, be, more be, than McMahon? Between the rivalry? Oh, yeah, without a yeah. doubt at this point. I mean, I think maybe McMahon was at a different level, but back then you had to wait for the next day's newspaper to, to read what was going That's on true. or turn on the, the radio or the TV. Now you can refresh your Twitter browser, and sure enough, you'll get hundreds of tweets about what happened in Gilbert.
0: When you were – because, you know, I wanted wanted to kind of do like an alumni report where we kind of go through everyone's schools and we talk about like, hey, how did our teams do last week? You know, like Nevada beat Southern Utah, and I don't know how Syracuse did. And we know that Utah, for both you guys – Uh, uh, beat was at Idaho uh, Idaho State you know but when you talk about this Max Hall thing when he did all that class and stuff you were a student at the school at the time no I
2: graduated in 2009 so I covered the Utes at the Daily Utah Chronicle in 2008-9 so last time I saw Max Hall he was throwing six interceptions before Utah finished the season undefeated to go to the Sugar Bowl Uh as a student next year I was unemployed (laughs) uh, watching Max Hall beat Utah Uh, I think he hit Andrew George down the seam for a game-winning touchdown down in Provo, and that was when he went off about classless fans and you know saying that fans poured beer on his family the year before. Is that is that what he said? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think we we jump into things way too much. I think we read into things too much. It, if you want to say it's sad, yeah, it's it's a little sad that he fell on hard times enough to be accused of shoplifting and. Accused of having cocaine on his person, but at the end of the day, there are plenty of people in this world who have problems.
0: Yeah. Well, do you think there's going to be any similarities between what happened with Travis Wilson being popped for underage drinking, and this, uh, and then basically that disappeared in almost a week's time? Mm. Do you see this uh, having longer legs, or?
2: No, well, I think it'll have longer legs, just because I think maybe 75% of college students around the country have maybe had an underage drinking ticket before. Yeah. Um, and how I don't know how close Travis is to 21. He's got to be pretty close. Yeah, later this year. So and,
3: and he I mean maybe not 75% have drinking tickets, but, but they yeah, drink. yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Sorry. Yeah, they've had a drink sure. is what you're yeah.
3: saying.
2: So yeah, I I think I don't think you can compare the two. Um they're, they're two different situations and um I just think for Max Hall. It's an unfortunate turn of events, obviously, but um, I guarantee you the Salt Lake Tribune will have a most read story, and the guy will have will be named Max Hall for the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, moving on to uh, other streaks that have ended. Our uh, good for, well, I don't know how to transition from Max Hall to Duchesne. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't either. That's, that's, a, a, that's a level of difficulty that's uh, even out of my range. Well,
2: these guys game. probably have better take on Max Hall. You should ask them. I don't. I just I try to stay PC because I don't want to get stabbed by someone.
1: Me, I'm not as afraid of getting stabbed. Oh, well please! Uh, uh, any other quarterback, with the possible exception of McMahon, um, you who would care if he got arrested? I mean, it, you'd probably have a small story about it. It's all because Max Hall ran his mouth off after one game. I mean that he, like you said, Chris, he is hated by Utah by a whole lot of Utah fans. And I'm, I think and a
2: lot of BYU fans don't like him that much either.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, and if you're gonna run your mouth off like that, and you, um, you know, I imagine he probably regrets having said that. You know, it's gonna come around and if you do something stupid like this, you yep. kind of have to deal with it. When you call other people classless and then you do something like this, you kind of have to put up with a whole lot of ribbing for it. Yeah, and
2: You open yourself up. To yeah. He poured
3: the max amount of salt <coughs> into a raw wound at the end of that game. I mean, oh, yeah. Not only after a win, well, but you know that, that particular angle is what compels a lot of the, the angst uh, between both sides of, of the rivalry, which is that for Utah fans, there is a perception that BYU thinks they're better than them. Right. And, and Max right. Hall, on that, at that time, absolutely thought he was better than, than Utah, and he let him know about it. And let's face it, you know, after those games, uh, what 99% of those guys have to say about each other is, is – is, very positive and respectful, you know. It, it it's just the one guy and one moment uh, said something that that confirmed whatever Utah fan thinks they know about every BYU guy. Yeah, right.
0: but at what a point was is uh, as a guy who's been out of college football now for four years and you know he's living in another state in terms of following the story and reporting on it? Is is there a timeline where if this had been ten years, what is? He instantly
2: made himself a figure in in sports. You know in in the Utah sports landscape with that rant forever yeah bottom line and that's we I mean you were seeing tweets when when he got picked up by a third CFL team you were seeing tweets when he wasn't starting for said CFL team people remembered this guy for for what he said and he was a good quarterback I mean I think he holds records at BYU which is a which is a phenomenal quarterback place that you know has produced a lot of good quarterbacks so let's not take that away from him but as soon as he, like Matt said, as soon as he opened his mouth and made himself, I would say, you know, made himself bigger than the rivalry, he left himself open to one slip up, and now we've seen that slip up, and now obviously the uh, the entire state is is onto uh, the Max Hall news.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there's. I I can't think of another BYU quarterback, and they've had some. They've had guys who've played had long careers in the NFL. McMahon, uh, Detmer, Steve Young. you know, Steve Young, who. If they Back. were to do this where it would be as shocking per, and maybe as not polar, Jim, maybe not Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon, no, but <laughs> Jim McMahon it might be more. Nah, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean maybe Steve Young, but sure. um, where it's so polarizing. It where if it was for instance Steve Young and, and no way am I saying that Steve Young is doing this. Let me be clear on that. But if it was Steve Young it'd be like, Whoa, didn't didn't really see that. That that really stinks. But because it's Max Young, it, Max or Hall. Max Hall, it's ha. Here's our chance now, to kind of attack you. Which and is,
2: but but surprisingly enough, a lot of the stuff I saw on Twitter was severely sympathetic. Yeah, and which is fine. People can have their own opinions, but it got a little overwhelming. Right, it got right. a little too preachy. It got a little, um, and and here I think that's when you you look at the 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 place we live. We live yeah. in Utah. It's a very
0: conservative state. conservative
2: family-oriented place so uh-huh. obviously the first place a lot of people went were like whoa we feel fa- we feel bad for him he has a young family sure that's fine but hot takes we i can i could i could live the rest of my life without a hot take
3: you know i think also that on twitter uh you know i dare say that some people's whole worlds become twitter and then when they see the max hall jokes just flooding their feed it becomes this sort of righteous need to counteract that. Right. And what you have are these evolving yeah. counter-arguments. Whatever is the prevailing sentiment for a while then gets countered because it becomes too much. And, and it's just a reaction to saturation that then becomes saturated again. Yeah. And, and these things kind of snake along until you know pretty soon it's hard to have any feeling about Max Hall that you don't
2: you become. Yeah, but I mean,
3: pretty much every take on Max Hall now I've heard and I don't ever want to hear again, you know?
0: Well, do you think because it was cocaine as opposed to, say, Molly – well, Molly would have been another one, which, you know, it has a party drug implication and stuff. I mean, it seemed like what Kevin was saying is so out of character. Like, you would never assume that he would be doing a party-style drug and uh, kind of with the persona, public persona he had while representing the Cougars. And then, you know, as he – It sort of transitioned from uh, playing at a very high level down to as an offensive coordinator for a high school school football squad. Yeah. I I think it goes
1: back to, and we've talked about this in past weeks, that you really don't know an athlete. Like, you want to think that you do. Like,
2: people don't know us. Right. I mean, there are some
1: parts of our lives
2: we don't want everyone to know about.
1: Right. And to assume that just because you watch someone or you listen to someone or you – read the work of someone that maybe you have a that you understand them yeah you you don't and I think that this just goes to show that even regardless of the the image that Max Hall might have portrayed while at BYU or as an NFL quarterback or as a high school coach it doesn't matter the image that you're portraying you can fake that you know And, and it comes down to we don't really
0: know and and also people transition through their life. I mean, by all accounts, he's a young man, isn't he?
2: He's probably like twenty-seven, 20,
0: yeah, 26, 27 or something like that. I mean, how much different were you in college versus where you were four years removed? And
2: I was much cooler in college. <laughs> I'll go out on eleven and say I was much cooler in college.
0: You know, but I mean, you make these you you make different choices in your life, and you know, like uh, what Kevin was saying, it's like we have no idea what's going on in his family. We don't know what's is there drama between siblings, his grandparents. Uh, how bad's money gotten it, you know? Like, uh, maybe he just made a heck of a bad decision, and... I don't think there's any maybe about that. Okay. I mean, a massively bad decision that he probably regrets, and he's probably humiliated right now, And but I don't know. I... I I was
2: just reminded that this... The Utah-BYU rivalry is still the most ridiculously, like, like, hot-button issue in this state. I mean, that's... this This is just further proof of that, and I think... Max Hall came along at w- when the rivalry was last at its peak, when both teams were pretty good, mm. were beating each other almost every other year. Now, within the last few years, I know it's one-sided or whatever, but both teams have left the conference. They don't play each other mm. in meaningful games anymore. I mean, let's not forget, I th- that might have been the last year they played in the Mountain West. Well,
3: and even after the Mountain West announcement was made, it just became about how these two teams were going their separate ways, and, and, and there wasn't – I mean – Max Hall played at when the rivalry was last at its height of of people thinking it was never going to go away and always be the most important part of every season. Right?
0: Yeah. You know, as a guy who covers the U2, ever talk about regret about being able to face BYU?
3: Oh, well, they're asked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't like to say that they do regret it. Uh, you know, part of the deal with BYU is that Utah feels that with nine conference games in the Pac-12, which is maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if not the hardest conference schedule-wise, then the second hardest to the SEC. That it's just too much to take on uh, more than one or two other real teams in the yeah. out of conference schedule each year. And in a way, it's it's actually their respect for BYU as being a difficult team to prepare for. Yeah, that that makes them choose instead to play Idaho State. Uh, you know, or, or or you know that said Idaho State. They're gonna probably want to play an FCS team like most of the the big boys do these days, but they could they could have scheduled BYU instead of you know uh, Fresno. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they they're they they get asked about it a lot. It's something that you know fans are convinced, media are trying to perpetuate, but the reason that we do is because. When things like Max Hall happens we see that there is just this unbelievable interest there from both sides and and what we're trying to do is provide readers with something that that we feel is interesting Now I will say you know it may be overrated amongst us media uh that the effect that that rivalry has on the players you know a lot of these guys didn't grow up here a lot of them know that BYU is sort of Utah's rivalry Mm -hmm. but they don't they don't it's not something they were born into and they're probably just fine going to Michigan, you know, and, and playing. Yeah, but but comes. you know
0: if you but if you how many players are, didn't grow up in the Michigan area that are going to the Blue that know how important that Ohio State game is, you know, it's like you'd have to know part of the legacy. But
2: but they're in this. But, but now they're in the same conference. See, like yeah. you have guys that Matt and Kyle are writing about that they're being recruited for Utah in the Pac-12. They won't. I mean, a couple of these guys don't know what the rivalry is. Yeah, but I about, mean, they'll they'll come into the season yeah, you, and they'll hear about BYU. Yeah,
0: but I mean, you, you guys like with Cal and Stanford, like that's another story rivalry. Like, do they not know that going into school that that's one, that is their rival program? I think so. Or but the
2: fact that they play them every year le- leads help, leads helps to that it drama to as the final yeah. game of the season. Yeah. 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 That, yeah,
3: exactly. That that's a big part of it too. Is ever since that went away, uh, I mean, it, everything used to lead up to the yeah. Utah versus BYU. And when that went away, it did become sort of, I, I, think, I think I can sort of sympathize with Utah coaches who are saying, to start our season with this draining game that, that the media and the fans are all consumed by. And it's it not is, even a
2: league game. It's
3: tough. Yeah. It's tough to do that before you start playing uh, Pac-12 slate.
2: Yeah, but
0: it's still entertainment.
2: It's still entertainment, it <laughs> it's still entertainment yeah. but but, but, say, but, but, you but know, the reason why yeah. you men- mentioned Michigan yeah. is because every single year Ohio State and Michigan play on the last game of the season. Yeah, that's it's it's a rival, it's a tradition and rivalry that won't that won't stop. And I, it, when it does, college football will freak out. I, yeah.
3: I feel like the whole point of sports is to have something trivial that gives meaning to your life, and there's nothing that that adds more meaning to the discussion, more more sort of inane trivial meaning to the discussion than rivalries and you know what if it's going to happen in the future it might be on the state legislature to step up and say they've tried before but to say you know Utah has to play Utah State or BYU every couple years, you know, Utah State, that was, that was a game they played, I don't know, a hundred something times, and and they, they've got them scheduled once between now and 2019, that, that to me is kind of sad, but I, I know some people listening to this will say, oh, there goes the media again, so apologies for that.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of Fresno State, as you have coming up this weekend, uh, give us, give us a little recap of what happened versus Idaho State, specifically with the secondary, and, uh. And uh, how, how do you think we're going to fare against the Bulldogs?
3: Yeah, you know, I went back and rewatched that game on the Pac 12 Networks. There's a, a game in 60 minutes feature, which is kind of cool. Um, and, you know, on rewatching it, I sort of felt like the secondary wasn't as bad as it looked uh, during parts during the first half uh, mm-hmm. live. I think that, you know, the big concern defensively for Utah was that they got gashed by two running backs at Idaho State. And that's that's an FCS team that, that went 3-9 and nine last year and has lost 44 straight road games. So the concern is that, we'll, you know, when they face a real—sorry, you know, apologies to Idaho State— but when they face, a you know, a, a real 12 tough team. Pac-12 opponent, uh, you, they're going to get gashed for more. And, and Fresno State can run the ball a little bit, so this week we'll we'll get a little bit of an answer toward that. If, uh, if, again, r- stopping the run is a problem, then Utah has worries because what Utah does and what they've always done, or at least as, as long as I've known them, uh, is they, they load the box up. You know, they, they bring a safety down into the box and then they have man coverage on, on, on the outside. And Utah's whole thing is they have to stop the run because they're selling out to do that. And they have to put pressure on the quarterback, which they did against Idaho State, because otherwise... They, they're vulnerable in the secondary. And when they're, when they're not stopping the run, then they become incre- that extra bit more vulnerable. And that's why you see some long completions like you saw uh, in week one with Idaho State. They, they, job one, as Whittingham likes to say, has to be stopping the run. And once they do that, then they can, they can throw some blitzes at, at the quarterback and, and confuse them to the extent that they can't pick on that secondary.
0: How has practice been for the guys? Was it uh, in talking with some of the fellows after the game, was it nice to get the first one on first win underneath the belt? Because Kevin was talking on the podcast last week. Is like it was almost a no win situation for him, where they needed to win seventy three to nothing. They needed to look invincible, and obviously in this game against Idaho State, they, they they've definitely exposed a couple of weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the the practice been snappier? You know, or
3: well, I've only I've only seen you know twenty minutes of, of one practice, but but the players say that they're excited to have gotten underway after all those months of preparation which they always are and you know some of the players put up some pretty nice stats i think for the most part probably most of the players are, are happy with the performance the guys who won't be happy will be the defensive front seven who were tasked with not letting idaho state run for you know 190 yards uh, against them I, I, that's not an exact figure but the the two the two starting running backs were close to 190 yards with five plus yards
2: per carry
0: at least a quarter i'm sorry no guys. i was
2: just gonna ask matt having watched Utah as well for like the last five to six years, is this a year where Utah's offense might have to carry the defense, whereas in years past it seems like you had Gary Anderson or Kalani who always had a a talented group, Mm -hmm. specifically a talented front seven to carry that team. But now you have a quarterback who's in his third year. You have two returning pretty good receivers. And Mm -hmm. after watching Devontae Booker, it seems like he's the type of guy who could be – a starting running back whereas they haven't really had that guy since John White
3: yeah you know I, I think offensive skill players are look really good you know and it's early but it's hard not to look at that roster and think that they don't have five or six guys at least who can really punish the defense even if they just get you know a quick out and, and burn a couple guys which is what Paris Warren and Steve Savoy used to do back in in Myers day at Utah I think the, 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 with the defense, this is kind of getting back to your original question. I'm sorry I got away from it. But with the defense, the question is, is probably still more the secondary the secondary depth in particular because they lost their best cover corner in uh, Reggie Porter in fall camp. That was a huge injury. And then they have uh, stepping into his role now sort of is Dominic Hatfield, who was a former wide receiver. And the guy who will still play both ways a little bit, I think. I How's think Hatfield? If, if Hatfield is is as advertised, then the, hey, they may be okay. But if mm-hmm. if not, and if, and if they have another injury or you know something else happens, suspension or whatever, uh, then then they're a little prone. And the Pac-12 has <laughs> ten returning record- re- returning quarterbacks, or I guess the other eleven have have nine, but. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not a good conference to be worrying about your secondary.
0: Let's talk about Wilson. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talk about Wilson. And uh, did he have good command?
3: Uh, yeah, Wilson looked great. Did
0: you think he looked good? And and uh, with him looking at the Bulldogs, how do you think he's going to fare?
3: I think that uh, Fresno has a couple guys in their secondary with some experience who are, are sort of ball hawks, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they're pass stoppers. I think. Uh, that you'd expect Utah to put up some pretty good yardage in the passing game. it will be a test for Wilson uh, to see if he can you know not stare down receivers and, and sort of telegraph passes, which is something he has done in the past. but I, I would expect Wilson to have some pretty good numbers against Fresno.
2: Well watching I watched highlights of that USC Fresno game and USC just opened up a can on Fresno. And they just seemed balanced. And I think going back to what I was saying about Booker is like John White was a phenomenal running back, but he was an undersized dude who punched way above his weight. Mm-hmm. If this Booker guy can can be like a running back that they can lean on, I know Christensen's all about the spread, but if you can run the ball 20, 20 25 times to open up the pass for Wilson, I think that would be huge for this for this offense going forward. And I think USC did that. USC ran for, like, 150 yards with their running back, and I think Cody Kessler threw for, like, 250 at least in a few touchdowns. So Fresno State's defense is not good.
3: Yeah. Whittingham said Booker's going to get more carries. And, you know, Kevin was there with me this spring, and we were watching him and looking at each other and saying, like, man, this guy, this is one of the better players on the field. I mean, what do we know? But – uh, he passes the eye test and he has it all. I mean he he's powerful, he's extremely fast, he's got great vision, and when you start start to run through the attributes, you sort of start to wonder, you know, what's keeping this guy from being all pack twelve, you know, NFL running back. Uh, and that may that may be that may be, you know, going a little far right now, but he's he he certainly is capable.
2: Is the I was just going to ask is the offensive line a, s- a source of worry after after week 1 because it seemed like while the defensive line struggled a little bit the offensive line didn't exactly give Wilson and other quarterbacks a lot of room to operate.
3: Week said that he thought there would be a little bit more push from the offensive line and you know both in the run game and and I think probably in the pass game too particularly to start the second half when Kendall went under center. I mean Talk about a trial by fire. Right. He had guys he on him within around. a millisecond yeah. of every snap. Uh, yeah, yo, know, I think the offensive line uh, on, on that side of the ball—that's the question from game one, okay. and we'll see if it's a fluke or. Something.
0: Chris, Chris was talking about how uh, Fresno State's not that good of a team. What is the scouting report for them? Like, uh, someone who hasn't seen any of the Fresno, uh, what should we expect from them, and how are the youths going to counter them?
3: Well, Chris hates fresno state he's just always yeah, fresno, <laughs> i've
2: never been a fan of the city of fresno apologies to any
0: fresno fans, but we've got a big
1: listening audience last in fresno. time i drove through
2: fresno i was like 13 and there was a swarm of locusts that like engulfed it's always the, the gas station yeah. that i stopped at so i've always looked at fresno as kind of an apocalyptic yeah. area so anyways i digress
0: yeah. uh, fresno it's spanish for aspen yeah. Yeah. Well, bueno the
3: Bulldogs <laughs> will be tough because, you know, they practice with swarms of locusts around them all the time. <laughs> and, there's, that, that's and That's got to toughen yeah. you up.
0: <laughs> aspen pollen in the air.
3: <laughs> yeah. That, you, Fresno is, uh, is, looks to be in a down year. You know, they went 11-2 and two last year. And at one point last year, uh, Fresno looked like it might go to a BCS Bowl. Mm-hmm. And they lost to San Jose State where basically San Jose State's David Fales came out and was just like, I'm giving you exactly what you do to everybody else, and just threw long all day and, and really picked on the Fresno secondary. Fresno lost a quarterback who's now, I think, named the Derek starter Conn, yeah, for, for Oakland, name, yeah. so he's no joke, and in his place are two quarterbacks that they don't really have a good feel for yet. If they trade off quarters like they did at USC, then uh, you know it really might just be a matter for Utah stopping the run game and uh, not having to, to fear too much what Fresno's doing offensively. And then like I said, defensively, they have some ball Hawks, they have some experience. Uh, they've got good players, but they just don't have the depth. And it's gonna be a matter of, I think, maybe attrition throughout the game for Utah where uh, you know you, you see against these sort of mid major teams, that the late in the game it's hard for them to uh, to keep up with Utah's athletes.
0: Uh, this is just because I haven't gone on Google, but with uh, two weeks from now, two weeks from now they're going to Michigan. Uh, has the Utes ever traveled to uh, Ann Arbor before? And they have. Yeah, I was there.
3: 2008. 2008. Uh, they uh, they won uh, to start their their magical season. At the time, it was uh,
2: Rich Rod's first game.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah, and at the time it was it was sort of this this uh, you know mild upset. I think looking back, you'd say that Utah was was a far better team and probably should have beaten them by more than they did. But uh, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's not their it's not their first go around. They, mm-hmm. They've done it recently.
2: Oh, I remember that. I remember that game. The press box at the Big House was the most ridiculously hot room I've ever been in. It was at least 95 degrees, no AC. The game started, I think, at noon, and it was August 30th.
0: You were with the Cron when you were covering it,
2: right? Yeah, it was unbelievably hot. I think we had a photographer there, and he works for the Tribune now, but he was on the field, and he got sunburned so bad that he had a literal like what what you look what snow bros look like when they come off the mountain raccoons was, yeah raccoon face it hmm. was pink his face and then just a little line of white <laughs> d-
1: Brian Johnson threw for 305 yards in that game they barely Godfrey. held on Braden Corbin Laux 25 with swing uh, back to 23 what's that
2: yeah Corbin locks with the end around
3: yeah and almost uh, it looked like for a second like that was going to be the end of his
2: season. Sam, McG- <laughs> Sam McGuffey he was in crushed. that game, and Sam McGuffey was like one of the really first YouTube era athletes to uh-huh. come out of high school football. He was this white kid from Texas who got known for being able to jump over people. Do you guys remember Sam McGuffey? Yeah. You ever hear about Sam McGuffey? He had eight carries for eight yards in that game. One touchdown, though.
0: Fantastic. So. Well, looking forward to Kyle Goon joining us next week on Permanent Assignment for that. <laughs> uh, speaking – so we're going to transition to our final topic of today. Um, so, Duchesne. F- well, we can talk about Duchesne. Oh, sorry. Well, you can talk about Duchesne really fast if you'd like.
2: This guy, this guy is a foreseer. Yeah. He took the chance and drove to Duchesne.
0: To watch North. Betting
2: against a team that had won 48
1: games in a row.
0: 48? True.
1: And I had to pass two excellent trout fisheries without stopping <laughs> to get there That was the worst part about it.
0: Um, so you watched the end of an era we'll talk about that Kevin uh, I did
1: you know the, I think Duchesne was pretty lucky that it was just a two-point game mm-hmm. um, it, it was you know it was the type of thing where it, and when you talk about high school and you talk about college and you talk about streaks that are that long the the problem is that, the team changes so much you know it, it has to um that uh you know the the kids who started that streak um a lot of them have moved on and have graduated but you know what it's still the same Duchesne uniform and you still got to beat that team and, and north summit did and it was it was cool to see it that the, the, their fans celebrated as though they had probably won a state title i mean it was it was it was neat to see they, they were really excited about it and um the the weird thing is North Summit's a two A school. They, uh, the Tribune had them ranked as the number one team in two A, and they beat a one A school, and yet they celebrated like it was a state title. Well, D-
2: Duchesne has ran the gamut on fools. I mean, I think they beat. I think they killed North Summit a couple of years ago. I'm I'm looking that up right now. But Duchesne, I mean, there's four year four seasons, right? They're they're, they're um, yeah. So yeah. They beat North Summit thirty nine to twelve in the first game, two thousand twelve. Right, so, I think I mean, it was
0: September ninth, two thousand nine, was their last loss,
2: which is astounding.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, so you have players yeah. that come in at freshmen that have never lost a game and have only had they have four state championship rings on their fingers. You was know? It, was yeah. it
2: the fifth longest streak in the nation at the
0: time? Yeah, yeah and, and you know the, the Duchesne kids were crying as though they had
1: lost the Super Bowl. The, yeah, and and understandably, it, it that, that was the weird thing about that game. It, it was the second week of the season. Um, it means and nothing. No it, on, it it yeah. it really in the end it'll mean nothing. Duchesne most likely will win another state title, which is great. Um, North Summit will have plenty of trouble in two A. But um, that game meant something to those kids, and and that was cool to see. Um, and uh, what a, what a streak! I mean, they they did play some. They played Carbon last year, which was a three A school. Yeah, it's not the best team, but hey school it's still a 3A school mm-hmm. they're still pulling from a whole lot more kids than Duchesne is um, it, it, it was
2: it was like Friday Great Night Lights but like such a small town <laughs> like yeah it had it had nothing on coach Eric Taylor's Panthers it was like I don't know what the population of Duchesne is but it can't be well, well, you, you go. Well, There's like four buildings on each side yeah. of Main Street, well, and that's it. Yeah,
0: North Summit. It, well, describe, I mean, just when did, yeah. kind of for people who might listen to this outside of the state, I mean, describe to you, Shane. I mean, it's three hours south of here, right?
1: Uh, it's two hours. Okay, two hours. Um, you drive through the middle of nowhere to get there. Saw about eight deer on the way back. Didn't hit any, luckily. Um, and it's, it's on US 40. It kind of comes out of nowhere, and it ends real quick. Um, the high school is right there on the main drag and, uh, the visiting stands, I think that, uh, they were about four, maybe five rows deep. Uh, that was it. And, um, they were back behind the the track, no fence there. So the fans just came up onto the sideline, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, got pretty, uh, got pretty crowded there along the, the North Summit sideline. And, you know, the parents are yelling and screaming and the kids are yelling and screaming and, um. You know, it was it was exciting. It was, it was it's a fun atmosphere. It's it's very small town. I've worked in small towns. I've covered a lot of football games in small towns. It was as
0: good as it gets. I did the foot. uh did the football preview for the one A teams, yeah. teams yeah. and talking to everyone, with the exception of uh, Jerry Cowan. No, no, I talk I've, to I've, Jerry. He's not the coach anymore. Oh, really? No, yeah. he's not. No, oh, it's um, stepped down. Okay, I yeah. can't remember his name. But talking to every other school, including Rich, who had a really good season last year. You know, they said it's I right. uh, yeah. did. no, but the, the Duchesne was the one game that was circled on all their calendars because they knew it was going to be one of two things. It was a chance to make history, or they were going to get their butts kicked. And, and be part of history. And be a part of yeah. 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 Right. You know, yeah. and so they, they, everyone, there was so much respect from every single coach in 1A for Duchesne. And when I uh, did some of the two double A uh, coaches, Duchesne's name got brought up all the time. You know, like they just were so impressed with what this tradition is and how long they've been winning. And, you know, and so obviously North Summit, they had. I did. Hopefully, they acted in a classy fashion. They and, did. Oh yeah, you know. yeah.
1: And and what was kind of refreshing is, and Matt, you know this. A lot of times you talk about an opponent and you play it off. It was just another game on the calendar. We, we didn't really play it off. No, the the North Summit kids said, oh, we That's wanted hard. to beat them. We wanted to end the streak. Yeah. Of course, we were looking forward to it. We used we used it as motivation all week that we wanted to be the team to end the streak, and they did it congratulations yourselves
2: cool. on the back north summit braves yeah now you, you, you entertain the hype and you achieved your goal unlike 99 percent of teams all across the unlike world Unlike the last
1: 48 to try one tip one of the two.
0: cap to that yeah it's cool. i just have this whole like concept like if you were uh going into your freshman year uh you know uh 47 games ago you never knew what lossing what a loss felt like you mm-hmm. had how would, I mean, it, it's right. become a part, it, it's a part of your DNA. Meaning
2: four straight rings, man. Yeah. Meaning you have one ring, one hand. You're, missing the, like, yeah, you're, you're missing, missing the thumb. Yeah, you're
1: missing the thumb. thumb. You know? but, but, but
0: the thumb's not a
2: finger, technically. <laughs>
0: technically. So.
1: But if this is your first year of varsity football at Duchesne, man, you're a 500 player.
2: Life's hard.
0: It is. It's true. Spooky on that. Uh, well, anyway, I'm glad we actually got into the Duchesne talk on that. We're going to finish <laughs> off with uh, Oh, Matt Piper. You have something you want to mention? Yeah. Easy, easy. Yes. <laughs> no way. Former University of Utah football player Tommy Hackenbrook was on a TV show this, uh, that aired two nights ago called Steve Austin's uh, Broken Ranch. And it's a uh, physical challenge where eight players, it's on the country music channel, Dude. CMT.
2: I wish
0: I got that. It is uh, eight it's uh it's broken into uh, genders. You have men's night, men's week, and a women's week. Anyway, on the men's week, Tommy competes against seven other players in a three-round elimination to get a chance to do the uh, broken skull challenge, which is ten challenges that you have to do. So for the, uh, Tommy Ackenbrook runs a place called U CrossFit here in Salt Lake City. Uh, I've met him a handful of times. He is an absolute physical beast. He's about six foot two. And when we talk about, like, 3 to 4% body fat, these CrossFit guys, this guy falls absolutely in line with that. At the National CrossFit Games this year, he finished sixth. Well, anyway, he gets on the show. He dominates all three levels of the elimination and has a chance to do the main challenge. And it starts off with a quarter-mile run carrying a 60-pound log. And from there, it's a bunch of agility, rope climbing, uh, diving into a pool with, like, 30-degree water, and then running up a hill which is, you know, at a 40-degree angle and then running down it and then uh, rope climb to the top. He uh, beat the previous person's time, ended up winning a $10,000 prize. The entire time, though, you had Steve Austin as your life coach as he's cheering Tommy on. And I wish we had a video feed of Chris's face right now because he is glowing.
2: That is the most brilliant thing. How
0: come (laughs) I didn't think of this? Steve Austin, because that's the bottom line. But Man, um,
2: he should have the the last challenge should have been avoiding having a Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> 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 like, like I'll give you this ten grand if you can walk by me and avoid being kicked in the stomach and then getting stunned.
0: Um, I mean. <laughs> We were talking. We were uh, talking. Uh, well, we were texting each other back and forth last night. You know, yeah. I've always been a mankind uh, wrestler. That's The guy that I like, I like ladders, tables, and chairs. And even though that might be a little more. Uh, but in the He's attitude man, He's in sick, the attitude era, was there a more compelling wrestler than Steve Austin? No,
2: man, he was the original. He he told Vince McMahon that he wasn't going to take his crap. <laughs> 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 I, I spent like twenty minutes watching Stone Cold Steve Austin highlights last night, and everything it just brought back all the good memories for like three years, man. For three years, that broken glass sound, <laughs> like you could be watching some obscure fight, like The Rock versus Kane, mm. and the glass would break. And Austin would run down in his vest and just, <laughs> just, the just Texas stun everyone, break open a couple beers, pour them on himself, and everyone was like, "Woo!"
0: Yeah, f- fans literally lost their Mind. minds in this <laughs> for Raw. For I that. want
2: I want to write a Grantland story about Stone Cold Steve Austin if there hasn't been one already. I think Grantland needs to do like some oral history of stunners that Steve Austin delivered because he. he Just stun everyone, like women, old old men, old men, Jerry the King. It didn't matter. Like it was like, Uh, oh, it's hot in here. Oh, give me a hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Man, we could we should have an entire episode dedicated to WWF slash WCW.
0: I've I've said for years an oral history coffee table of wrestling of uh, the WWF circa 1983 to 1987 would probably be on every person's coffee table over oh, the man. born past the age of 79.
2: Oh yeah, I, I'd buy it, it. I mean, you, without <laughs> a doubt, without a doubt. My first memory of like professional wrestling was watching Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan when I was like five years old. And are, then like a transition, I, my cousins were way into it. I remember like they, they were like freaking out because uh, what's his name, Fell from the Roof. Owen Hart mm-hmm. when Owen Hart died. I mean yeah. a lot of these dudes. I mean a lot of these dudes have passed away by now yeah. I mean
0: we talk well, about the concussions in the NFL. I mean what these guys put themselves Well,
2: through. you sent me that video last night of Undertaker throwing mankind <laughs> off a steel cage. That's like 30 feet. It was
0: 25 feet <laughs> and onto a table. On a table. <laughs>
2: and
3: let me also say like underrated about wrestling is what great comedic actors oh, these guys all brilliant. are. Perfect timing. So like, you know, the in Guardians of the Galaxy, Batista <laughs> yeah. steps in and paints himself blue and everyone's like, who is that guy? He's <laughs> hilarious. That you know what? I bet any of those guys could have done that. The storylines that they, that they deliver that they and, and improvise a lot of the time are, are pretty on point. They're, they're, they're ridiculous soap opera storylines, but they really sell the emotion and it's hilarious when you, it, even at like 11 or 12 watching that stuff with my dad, I knew that what I was watching was That's extremely funny stuff. Cool. Uh, I think it's under, I think people who hate wrestling should give it a shot
0: a second and just shot. go
3: into it expecting Look, this is not something that's trying to be real. This
0: is tra- something that's trying to entertain you. Well, it's like you go to the football game and I, may, I imagine that to the, <laughs> the Shane ex- a the summit game. The excitement yes. and the excitement and the yelling and the cheering and stuff like that. Uh, even a, a casual fan of football could uh, pinpoint like this is something more important even if they didn't know about the 48-0 record up to that time. I've only been to WWF once and I went through to chaperone and my two younger brothers and they were much bigger fans than I was and I remember <laughs> Four minutes into it, going like this is stupid. I'm gonna try and get more popcorn. And then, about by the second match, I'm screaming, probably ripping my shirt off. Screaming for the steel chair. You (laughs) took your steel chair, and you're like, here, Sting, (laughs) take it. (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, and, uh, the, for, in the match that I watched was Ultimate Warrior pinning Andre the Giant in wow. eight seconds. I mean, obviously, because it was at the Thomas and Mac, they probably had a, a date with a, y- a, you know, a blackjack <laughs> table. So they had to get out of there. But I mean, it is the most, it's the most exciting, one of the more exciting uh, live uh, oh, yeah. entertainment events. You know, I've ever seen. I would
2: imagine the the crowds though are like next level. I would imagine crowds at WWE events are probably better than NASCAR. Just
0: which is funny because I was going to say, having been to one NASCAR. NASCAR fans are insane, and I'm going to double down on this right now. So on Sat on Sunday, no, no no no, I'm okay, double down on this. So on Sunday, Aaron and I went up to Heber Valley to watch the sheepdogging herding competition. Check back in, came out because we're coming back on this hard. I'm out. So we're, we're sitting in the stands and literally having no idea that you're supposed to have one trainer, one dog get five, and we're bringing this back to wrestling, one trainer, one dog to bring five sheep through a couple of gates and end up launching it. We saw a world record, and we saw this dog named Dory that was able to do it and scored a 97. And the process of listening to the people behind us, it takes about 12 minutes for them to run the sheep. There was folks behind me going like, oh, you know, Dory got some really good sheep. And I don't know about those whistle calls. And I'm listening to these fans behind me going like, how do they know so much about shepherding? You know, it's like it was it, it, it's you get these fans that are really pinpoint on what they like Man. and they're going to do it. So I think you're saying that the fix was in there. There was one person behind me would have said there was a fix when it came to the sheep that uh, Dory drew. Unbelievable.
2: The only way I'd go to a sheep dog. Thing, it was if Stone Cold was there. <laughs> like, if Stone Cold was like, hey, sheepdog, I'll give you this
0: $10,000. <laughs> I would like to see Stone Cold shock all five sheep <laughs> and then carry them down the mountain. But, you know, wrestling fans, they are, they are definitely second world level fans.
2: This is the best podcast we've ever had.
0: Arguably, yeah. Uh,
1: have you ever been to a WWE event? I haven't. I wanted
2: to go. parents wouldn't let me. I had I used to have to like sneakily watch because they're like this is this is bad for you this is gonna have a bad this is a bad impact on you kid. Well, I grew it,
3: up overseas and like they come to London once a year yeah. or something or and Birmingham and yeah, uh, that was a, it wasn't like there was a a lot of opportunities. Did and, you ever
0: watch backyard wrestling like the ICP stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: They've gone way off script. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's still sport entertainment, you know. As, as British soccer <laughs> announcers would say, they've gone way off script. Um, I used to like, I think YouTube's YouTube videos, yeah. but, but not not anything extensive. I was I was I was all about you know my era was Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, Kane, Mankind. Chris Jericho. Let me ask you
0: one question about The Rock. Okay. Does he need to drop wrestling and just focus on movies? Is wrestling? I would say the other way. You I would say, say he drop needs, movies he, and he get he back did. into no, the absolutely. into the squared circle.
2: Oh, The Rock! The Rock was giving everyone The Rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock was like Stone Cold. It didn't matter who was in there. It could have been his own his own parents. He would have dropped. You the know rock what? Bottom. And The
3: Rock. The Rock again. Go. On, I'm sorry. I'm harping on this, but the comedic thing. He's hilarious the yeah. people's elbow? Who comes <laughs> up with that? He runs around yeah. the ring for like five minutes while this guy is down, and then all he does is just drop an elbow on him, and somehow that like that stops the guy's
0: heartbeat or you something, put, right? But, but you like, put the <laughs> punctuation mark with that eyebrow raise yeah. and I mean uh, Well even, even You smell what the rock is cooking. Even
2: watching even watching YouTube compilations of stunners that Stone Cold has dropped my favorite thing to watch was how how the actor, how the wrestler who got stunned reacted. Ooh. There was one where this guy, like somehow, came balanced on his head and like like did a full diving board backward. Like this takes <laughs> skill. This oh, takes yeah. skill yeah. to have someone fake break your neck, like fly back, <laughs> like, like needle on needle, and then fall back down. It's brilliant. These guys these guys deserve all the praise we there i mean see and now you there keep talking WWE about the, beat.
1: the big name guys but what about those guys whose job it was to be on the undercard every single time oh, they and had just one of those get guys
3: beat. win actually one time who was that guy's name they they had some guy who lost like a 100 straight matches and they did, they brought him out just to get beat up on and he actually won i can't think of his name like late '90s. I'm sorry, I just detracted big time from this conversation. You did. That I, that,
1: think, that I, was think, so I
2: think we I think we jumped the shark like 20 minutes ago. But this is the best podcast. All right.
1: I want I want to see, see your era was just after mine. I mean, I was yeah, I was I, I was, I Bruce, was a little, the barber, beefcake, Jake the Snake. Who Iron could Sheik. only go to Rowdy Roddy states. Piper. Oh, yeah.
2: Iron Sheik was oh, a little yeah. past me. but and I, I was
3: a Iron little Sheik. bit snake pit. you guys. The Bolshevik you know, Brothers. I, so.
2: I had a little bit of both of
1: you. Bushwhackers.
3: Earthen, uh, they were awesome. The Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hart Foundation. Oh,
1: yeah. With Jimmy Hart as the manager. And the Anvil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heartbreak Kid. I saw them in person. Oh, Heartbreak, Heartbreak Kid. Kid. Sean, Underrated wrestler. Is that Shawn Michaels?
0: Yeah.
2: Shawn Michaels. He was awesome. Heartbreak Hotel. Shawn Shawn Michaels. There was uh, he. He later founded Degeneration X, which oh. we can't we can't, leave out, <laughs> can't leave out. But I think I mean this might be for another podcast. But let's not forget. I, I know everyone stopped listening by now, but that's okay. The f- when when Diamond Dallas Page and Hulk Hogan had their NWO NWO Wolfpack rivalry, mm-hmm. that Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman became a part of. That was when. Any everything jumped the shark. That was the most brilliant because, summer of my life. Because I'm a <laughs> wheeling,
0: dealing, limousine, riding, airplane, flying, $500, dollars silk tail buying, son of a gun, who kissed all the girls and made them cry. Ah-woo! Turn it off. <laughs> wow. Well, that's it. We're not going to know any better than that. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week. We'll be back next. We'll find out about Fresno State, do some Maricel, Duchesne. Is there a rematch? Is there a rebound in them? Sure. Do they I mean, got the next week? Uh, if not, any questions, get a hold of a Twitter. Your handle is? Uh, Matthew underscore Piper. Chris Kamrani. I'll just do it because you're going to say something. Kay Winmo, and I'm Benny Raskin. Thanks for listening.